it is a palindrome. Not just a palindrome, it's also an ambigram. How do you read this again? Is it 2202-2022 or is it 0222-2022? Well, either way, it's Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022, and I'm Stephen Sersky. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for finding this here audio pod- uh, daily audio podcast. I make every day between Monday and Friday. At least I try to. And you know, it's about these uh, the life and the times of a working traveler living here in Beijing, China at the moment. And yes, today is a special day because uh, the month, the, the day, the month, and the year can be read forward and backward. Only if you write it uh, with the date first. So it has to be 22 first. Uh, I think the states, you guys write it 02-22-2022, right? Whereas Britain and Canada and the rest of the world write it 22-02-2022. So the day first, then month, then year. Which makes more sense to me because it's small, too big, too bigger. Bigger, right? I mean, that's the, I thought that would just make the most sense, but I guess it doesn't always happen that way. An ambigram, as I've learned, only, has only happened once before. More than a thousand years ago on uh, January 11th, 1011. So that was the 11-1101-1011 was the last ambigram that happened. Uh, there never be... An ambigram like three thirty-three oh three thirty thirty-three, because there's no month with thirty-three days yet on Earth. Possibly on Mars. By that time, hey, isn't three thousand like when Star Wars takes place? Uh, I know the twenty-four twenty. When does Star Trek take place? Star Trek starts. I know their timeline starts like twenty sixty-seven or twenty sixty-three, and then. But like the Enterprise, all that's like the 22nd century. Late 21st or 22nd century that they start. Early 22nd century. And then like the 23rd, 24th century, that's when like Voyager and all of them sort of become a little bit more active. It's kind of neat to think of those, those things only because it's within our our sight. It's, it's within our view path. And, you know, dates like this with this palindrome, this anagram, it's... Looking ahead to the next one, I mean, these are all sorts of things that we can look forward to and that we're building the steps for right now. We're building the pathway, this AI, you know, the, today being February 22nd, 2022, it's, we're seeing the foundations being built for what the next generation, next generations are going to be using to be zipping around the, the stars. I mean, it's going to be kind of, Kind of neat, kind of cool to see. It's almost a little bit depressing. I think I've mentioned this before that, you know, being the age that I am and knowing the people I know uh, at this time, you know, who's going to make it to that that duration, that time? You know, are we going to be as able-bodied to take advantage of the breakthroughs in science and technology and the arts and to be, you know, out there? Or will be will we become like the aged wise elders, like shriveled up Yoda, who can stumble along like 
plod along a little bit. You know, we can zip and zap things with our hands and things, but, you know, I wish. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you know, it's not like we're uh, exactly young and jumping around all over the place. Although the way that he Yoda was jumping around in some of the Star Wars sure made him look pretty young, didn't it? Right. Good thing for CG. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll just exist in the metaverse, and even if our body passes, people will never know. Our marketing campaigns can continue. I mean, our body... Our <laughs> Hope you got that. Did not know that uh, palindromes can also be words. Huh. Kayak. Civic. Radar. Those are palindromes. Phrases can be palindromes. Do geese see God? Or was it a car or a cat I saw? So I'm taking this from nationalworld.com. This is a, actually kind of interesting. I never really knew this before. No reason to know it before. The next five palindromic dates are February 13th, 2031, February 23rd, 2032, and then February 4th, 2040. They're all happening in February. Why? Hmm, interesting. And then, yeah, February 14th in 2041, and then February 24th in 2042. Those are the next five palindromic dates. That's pretty neat. Pretty uh, Kind of cool. Oh, if you've seen the news. Russia, Russia, Russia. What are you guys doing? Well, I know what you guys are doing. I mean, no, I don't know exactly, but it's kind of obvious. Uh, I guess... <laughs> President Putin was on the TV and he was, he went on for an hour just uh, completely dissing Ukraine and uh, signing documents that uh, Luhansk and Donetsk are now recognized officially by the Russian Federation as being, I guess they're part of Russia, uh, uh, part of the Federation, and that's how it's going to so Russia doesn't have to send in troops right now unless Kiev aggravates the situation according to Russia w meaning that if they fire back then Russia would send in troops uh, to protect their people that are there because they're now republics of whatever it is and uh, that that would sort of institute the idea that they could put more tanks there than they already have. Uh, I remember, I remember my father saying this, but I remember this being spoken about before, that when Ukraine became a an independent nation back in 1991, uh, and I remember this when we were in grade school when this happened, because it, uh, it happened in August, that they were actually declared August 24th, I think it is. Uh, so we started school like shortly thereafter, uh, grade school shortly thereafter and I remember the teacher writing that on the board uh, it was around yeah 1991 I just remember I can't remember what grade I was in either but since I went to a Ukrainian school it was a Ukrainian like we spoke English most times but we also had Ukrainian uh, uh, language classes uh, but writing it on the board the independence of Ukraine was sort of a, was a big deal that establishment was the first time since the 1600s that Ukraine was its own state. And go, going back to the 1600s is when 
the Cossacks, the Kozakir, uh, were from the uh, Zaporizhian Sich, which is south of Kiev, and right, basically smack dab uh, right around the Donbass area. So it's down the Dnipro River. Uh, it's an island, uh, a little bit like in the southern, southern eastern portion of Ukraine. Not really eastern though. Uh, but uh, so in that area that's sort of occupied right now, but that was the last time Ukraine was an independent state, and that that time they were fighting the Russians and the Polish on both sides. And I guess, well, not I guess after that, the Tsar of Russia kind of just I think they made a deal with Poland. I can't remember how that how the exact history goes down. I should read it again. Um, but if you're looking for a good history of Ukraine and the whole situation of why this is such a big deal, uh, especially for a lot of, uh, why you'll see it pop up in North American media is because a lot of the agricultural, a lot of the farmers in North America are are from Eastern Europe, notably Ukraine, Poland. I don't know if you meet too many Russian farmers in North America. It was more of a Ukrainian thing, it was a Polish thing, it was German, Icelandic even, uh, and, and some other uh, countries. Like, and then of course there's the Irish and the Scots, uh, but that was those were different parts of farmland in North America at that time. A good book on this, uh, of the Ukrainian issue going on right now, uh, is uh, Sergei Plokhi's book, The Gates of, uh, of Europe. And it is a fantastic read. He wrote it just after the annexation of Crimea. So it was around 2017, I think he released it. He's released some, he's released quite a few books. Uh, His most recent one, I think was, or one of his recent ones was about Chernobyl and how that whole debacle unfolded. But for Chernobyl, I mean, I think you just got to go watch... uh, the, the TV show, that six-part series is HBO that puts it on. Heart-wrenching, fantastic show. I mean, not fantastic because it's heart-wrenching, but uh, w- very well done. Uh, listen to the soundtrack, horrifying, uh, and it just makes it very succinct of what happened. Uh, so yeah, Sergei Plokhi's Gates of Europe, that's uh, a very good book that sort of explains the whole historical buildup of what is transpiring now. So when when Putin is talking about sending troops to Russia uh, to Ukraine to you know protect Russians, it's because a lot of Russia thinks as of Ukraine as either its little brother or really Russians by another name. So th- that is what they're going for uh, in this in media barrage and this military buildup. So going back to what my my dad said and what I heard talked about when I was a kid, is that this will take three generations to, to resolve itself. And we're not even, we are, what, ending near the f- end of the first, what, the first generation? So 1990, I mean, we're not that close, but 30 years? Well, yeah, I guess that, that's your first year, your first generation right there. So that would be the, the first bit. So the next generation, how does that sort of work? And then the, the third generation from that, how does that work? Not entirely clear. I, I'm pretty sure this goes into cycles of humanity, um, like generational uh, demographic shifts and things like that. The whole 
cyclical nature of how you know when you forget about a war that happened 70 years ago it tends to repeat because that generation doesn't remember what the that generation who fought it does they go don't do this again and it's in the history books but nowadays like the the modern or the current generation would be like well we don't know we don't actually know this is interesting you know will this is it world war three can it blow up to something like this i think one of the biggest things that we have nowadays that we have never had before in the history of humanity uh, is we have social media okay so it's based on the internet the almost instantaneous access of information number two we have a movie culture that has made horrific reminders of what it's like for these things to happen now a lot of us haven't experienced it and that's a good thing it's a good thing that we haven't gone through these horrors and a couple of weeks ago i was watching save a private ryan uh the opening intro and bawling my eyes out going oh my goodness this is a terrible why don't we treat so people so many better and then here ukraine's getting rolled steamrolled over again right and there's not the only place i mean Afghanistan, Iran. I mean, I've, I've met people from those countries, uh, not just uh, Iranians or Afghanis, but people who work there. And I mean, they know people who were there or have left only recently. It's it's it makes it very real being a traveler when you you hear about these regions, uh, and it's it's a bizarre sort of worlds. You know, if you're growing up in the plains of Canada, for example, you've never really left. Or you don't go try, go go travel too far away from the homestead. It's very easy just to think, well, that happens over there. But then you go travel, you 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 meet some of the people from there, and it's just, it really in that instant changes your perspective of what the news tells you and your understanding of the situation. So again, social media, movies. We're traveling more. I think we're traveling more than ever before, ever before. Like backpacking culture was alive and well up until a couple of years ago, and I think it's it's probably coming back this year. I would actually argue it would. And what else? I mean, science and technology. One of the um, proponents I've heard of the future of war, which actually could be the future of war that was like ten years ago. He wrote this. George Friedman. This guy. Uh, talks uh he does a lot of geopolitical analysis and i read him read his stuff quite a bit it's fantastic stuff uh look it up he used to write strat he founded stratfor and now he writes for geopolitical futures and this guy he sort of takes a lot of the historical geographical uh cultural and then sort of the long-standing ties that bind and takes a look at these economics to an extent and how all of these things sort of tie together and give you an overall picture of the geopolitical landscape. So that's why I like it. Uh, but he talks about sort of repercussions of like Russia and things like this uh, or any sort of conflict boiling over. One of the things he mentioned in his book, uh, I can't remember, it was years ago, I think it was a forecast of the next hundred years and the next 10 years uh he talks about how wars aren't going to end 
but they're going to be smaller and more targeted. But meaning that it's it won't be collateral damage, it won't be large-scale bombing of cities. It will be the targeted, you know, takeout of certain military deployments. So that, that's what he's talking about, is that it's going to be much more precision-oriented. It's not going to just be a scatterbomb approach which destroyed Europe in World Wars One and Two. Like, that whole methodology just ruined so many things and, like, disrupted the world quite a bit. He's arguing that World War Three, although it's it's not inevitable, it could happen, could it be avoided, but it it might be a lot more precise in its in its unfolding rather than like cities all over the world getting blown to bits. Which is that the good scenario? I'm not sure. Let, let's hope not, because it is quite scary to think that we've come this far with all the technology, all the science and technology and health and wellness and uh you know here i'm living in beijing china to see, could that end are we seeing that end like the, the life of luxury of being able to travel all over the place of meeting people learning different languages is that is that ending like is is that what we're seeing now is that what world war three would mean to us and how is this going to affect us? I mean, going forward, we, we're, we're still trying to get out of the pandemic. And, I mean, criticism's all around. I mean, everyone's... I know social media makes it even worse criticizing this government, that government, these people, those people, you name it. Everyone's getting criticized these days. So, it's, it's, it is a scary thought to me to think that if World War III to, were to unfold... That is the it is the cessation of the world as we knew it, which I mean would be why the the war starts anyway. But that does that mean I'm going back to Canada, and, and like uh, whether I like to or not, like just because it's safer there or for whatever reason, I mean is that is that what's going to happen? Is is that part of the reason why I'm seeing so many expats leave China right now? Is that there's sort of a Maybe not an overt push, but sort of a a tacit sort of go home idea. Kind of odd. It's kind of odd to think that. And in a situation like this, I kind of have to start wondering about well, what did happen in those world those wars before? We don't have a lot of information about travelers and working travelers who weren't in the homelands or weren't in the affected areas. I know there's one guy here in China, Canadian guy, Stephen, Stephen uh, begins with a B. He's a famous doctor. If you name, if you say his name, a lot of Chinese people actually know it because he helped Chinese people during uh, the occupation of Nanjing. And that's a very, very emotional time for uh, China and like Japanese relations Oh, I wish I could remember the name. I learned this from a, a, a Chinese cab driver. I mean, that's where I got this from. Uh, but it, it is a real thing. I mean, um, there's there's actually two of them. Two Canadians that are very well known in, in Chinese history for their, their helpfulness in the times of, uh, of war and times of need. So I kind of wonder in other pockets of the world, like what 
what it was like. I mean, what was it like to live anywhere during a, a massive world war uh, that, that was going on? So I really do hope that this is not World War Three. <laughs> I mean, let's hope we can get around this. And it's sort of actually, I, I by Putin declaring that Donetsk and Luhansk are now part of Russia, that, that sort of seems like what he wants to. He's like, I'm just going to say this and then we're going to move on. Uh, that way, none of us have to actually fight. We kind of get what we want, but we don't because now we have like just other troubles to deal with. So is this sort of like a, I'm not going to say kicking the can down the road. Is it just stymieing the, the what would be the apparent thing of like, uh, 60 years ago, you would have just gone start shooting each other. But now it's like, oh, we'll just declare it and then move on to the next thing. Right? It, is that what's going on? Is that what we're seeing? Good question. Starter clothing. Do you remember this? <laughs> Someone's got to remember this. Starter clothing. It came up the other day. Uh, today, I didn't know it was actually partially owned or fully owned by a uh, Chinese company, which seems kind of obvious now. But uh, I remember this clothing because we, the big threat about this clothing when I was growing up was that you'd get mugged for it. You remember those big oversized starter jackets or the starter hats? Like if you had that, that stylized S, the starter, you had a target on you, basically. I remember kids getting mugged for their jackets. I mean, no one I know, it was the news at that time that muggings would happen uh, for this type of clothing. And I'm thinking back, I don't think starter was ever like a good clothing brand. Like it was famous because it was making jerseys for the, the big professional leagues, hockey, NFL, CFL, NBA, you know, the big ones. But compared to like Under Armour or even Nike uh, or any of the like the modern uh, sports brands, I mean, I don't think Starter was as functional in terms of its uh, materials. I think it was actually kind of more fashion, more flash than bang, more flash than use. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't, I don't remember it being something you'd buy because it was on the latest edge of, you know, cutting edge of technology. It was something you bought because it was fashionable at that time. You know, kind of like Massimo, if you remember that one, right? Or Chip and Pepper was the other one from in Canada, I think it was. Um, Chip and Pepper was like beachwear. Massimo, I can't remember what they were specialized for, but I know a bunch of brand names, a bunch of people won't remember unless... You were in North America at that time, back in the mid '90s or so. Uh, so, yeah, that I don't, that name just came up, and I saw it in a news article today. And I remember, yeah, no, you'd wear it because it was cool and neat and expensive, not because it made you a better sports person. Uh, anyway, right, I did try to uh, get some of my Delta terminology going. One of the big things I was talking to a few people about the Delta Diploma, and they said, "Yeah, start reading the uh, definitions books. Like, just know your terminology, and that way you can writing the exams and writing your essays will be a lot better." So that's what I'm uh, starting to do now, without the pressure of the course just yet, folks. I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening to my rant uh, and my hopeful elucidation explanation of uh russian and ukrainian ties pro it's very general i know um, and certainly if you do want more information 
Um, Wikipedia is your obvious source, but the book by Sergei Plogging at Gates of uh, Europe, um, very good. And then, yeah, the, I don't know, I rant about World War Three. Well, it, it's been bandied about. That, the terminology has been bandied about. And for the record, it's like, I, I, I hope there's not a world war. And if there is, then is it going to be that targeted style of fighting that, you know, someone like George Friedman believes that it could happen, like geopolitical strategists think are going to happen. It's not going to be as widespread as the last two world wars. And on that note, folks, enjoy the rest of your palindrome ambigram day, February 22nd, 2022. So that's 2202-2022. And folks, show notes and tracks up on my website, stephenserski.com. You got any comments or criticisms? You know where to find me on the socials. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.